The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masikat Shekalim has been dedicated by Dr. Isaac Meddeb and his wife Lily in memory of Moshe ben Nachel Man. We hope that the learning of the 22 Dapim of Masikat Shekalim will be a a ilui neshama for the niftar Moshe ben Rachel. Tehi nishmatot zerura b'tzol ha'chayim. Amen. Daf Ezayin. Today's daf has been dedicated in honor of Rachel bat Sabut, Esther bat Leah, Ezra ben Hava, and Ezra ben Leah. Uh, may they each soon find the nasib Be'azat Hashem Be the mothers and fathers of many children Zara'ah, Hayah, V'Kayyamah Amen Today's daf is being studied L'Ilu Nishmat Achim Baruch Rafael ben Miriam And Avraham ben Esther Ruah Hashem Tanihem Begin Eden Amen We begin today's daf on Ted Vav Amud Bet And we start two lines from the bottom And the Gemara says <coughs> we have a pasuk to support the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish. Uh, it was his opinion that there was two Aronot. Right? We talked about the Mahloket between Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish and Hachamim regarding how many Aronot there were. Hachamim said there was one Aron, which everything was in that Aron. Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish said no, there was actually two Aronot, one that stayed in the Mishkan <coughs> and one that went out with them to war. So the Gebarah says, we have a pasuk. <coughs> this pasuk in its context was when Uriah Haiti, who was the husband of Bathsheba, was uh, sent out to the war. David then called him back and said he should go home to his wife. And at that point Uriah said, <coughs> Ha'aron v'Yisrael v'Yehuda yoshevim basukot. So what do you mean? Da'aron and Yisrael and Yehuda, they're in a place called Sukkot. How could I go home to be with my wife? The simple understanding is that since Da'aron is not in its place, Da'aron is out at war, it's not proper <coughs> for a person to have relations with his wife when Da'aron is not settled in its place. And where did he say Da'aron was? In a place called Sukkot. So the Gibra says, Bahalo Aaron b'tzion haya. What do you mean? The Aron was in a place called Zion. Was in Yerushalayim. So therefore, must be he was referring to the second Aron that was out there during the war. So we have an ayah for the Biuda that there was two Aronot. <coughs> so how the Rabbi is going to learn this? So the Gemara says, Ma Avdin le Rabbanan. What are the rabbis going to do with this? Schach shehu lo kikirui shadayin lo nebde beta bechira. So he learns the word Yoshvim Sukkot, not to mean the place called Sukkot. Sukkot comes from the word like a Sukkah. Meaning what he was saying is, how can I go home to my wife? The Bet HaMikdash is not built yet, and the Aron is in a temporary structure like a Sukkah. So what Uriah was saying, he was referring to the one Aron that was in Yerushalayim. But what was he saying? Since it's not in a permanent structure... It doesn't have a real roof over it. It's like a Sukkot. Therefore, <coughs> it's not proper for me to be with my wife. Now that doesn't mean to say that Uriah, he was married. What do you mean? So that means you're going to say that he was never with his wife because Aaron was not in the Beit HaMikdash. So the Mephashim explained, coupled with the fact that the Jews are at war, 
and the fact that the Aaron is not in a permanent structure, so therefore he didn't feel it was proper for him to go home to be with his wife. But you see, over it can be really referring to one Aaron. Comes the Gemara and says, Mishnignaz <coughs> Aaron. At the time that the Aaron was Nignaz, meaning was hidden away, Nignaz Haman. So also the canister that was carrying the man that they ate in the Midbar, they collected some man in order to leave it as a memorial for the future generations. So that was also hidden at the same time. Now the uh, Taklim Hatin explains the source of that. On the Dibura Matkhil, Nignaz Imos and Senet, Betosifta Sham, Vialif and Dichtiv Baron, Asher Evvaed Lecha Shama, Uchtiv Betsen Senet Aman, Veten Shama, Melo Aomer. So we have the Gezera Shava, Shama, Shama, to teach us just like they were Gonez the Aron, they were Gonez the Senet Aman. Vislochit, Shemin Hamishha, also the jug that had in it the special oil that was used for anointing the Kohanim and the kings. And how do we know that? So the Taklin says, So then we have a, another Gezerah Shava from Dorot Dorot. The staff of Aharon Ufrahav Ushkedav and its uh, buddings, its flowers that were on it, and the almonds. If you remember when the staff of Aaron was placed in the Ohin Mu'ed, after the Mahluk of Korah, so his staff flourished and it sprouted almonds. Furthermore, <coughs> so that she, uh, Taklin explains where do we know that from, Yalif Mishmerit, Tikhtib Bele Mishmerit. It says by the stick of Aaron the word Mishmerit. And it says by the Tzinsenet Aman, the word Mishmeret. So we have a Gezerah Shava, Mishmeret, Mishmeret. Just like the Tzinsenet was uh, placed in Geniza, so to the staff of Aaron. Ve'argaz, she'eshivo penishtim asham denohei Yisrael. And the, literally the box that the penishtim returned to the God of Israel. After the uh, Aaron was taken in captivity, then they returned it. So they returned it also with a gift. <coughs> with gold in a box. So that golden box was actually placed next to the Aron. So the rabbis learned, just like the Aron was Nignaz, so to the Argaz, the box that the Pudishtim returned, <coughs> was also placed in Geniza with the Aron. Comes the Gemaran says, Mi Genazo, who put all these things in Geniza? Yoshiyahu, the king Yoshiyahu Genazo. Kevan When he opened up the Sefer Torah and it opened up to the following pasuk in the Kelalot, Yolech Hashem Otecha Veet. Let's just read it correctly. Yes, Yolech Hashem Otecha Veet Malkecha Asher Takim Alecha Elgoi Asher Lo Yadarta Ata VeAbotecha. Which means God is going to take you, the nation, and its king, king of Israel. And send them into exile to a nation that they don't know. Uh, that's going to be the nation of Babel. So he put the stuff in Geniza. Because he already saw the prophecy about the Galut. So he didn't want the vestments of the Beit HaMikdash to go into Galut as well. So therefore once he saw that Pasuk, that caused him to put the items in Geniza. And this is also supported by what it says in the Pasuk. 
ויאמר ללוויים, so he told the לוויים, המבינים לכל ישראל, that teach בני ישראל, מבינים, that cause the Jewish people, let's say, to understand, הקדושים להשם, תנו את ארון הקודש בבית אשר בנה שלמה בן דוד, מלך ישראל. Literally, put the Aaron in the Bet HaMikdash that Shilomo built. Now, what do you mean put it in the Bet HaMikdash? It was there already. Ela must be the Pshat and the Pasuk is, the Aaron that's there, put it there more, meaning, gonez it, bury it in the Bet HaMikdash. And the Pasuk continues and says, En lachem masa bakatef. You do not have an obligation as the Vim to carry the Aaron on your shoulders, like you did in the Midbar. And therefore, don't think you're going to have to carry it on your shoulders to Bavel. On the contrary, let it stay in the Beit Hamikdash, and then it says, "Ata Now go serve God, meaning the way you serve God is by leaving it in Yerushalayim. Just be gonez it in the Makom Hamikdash. The Korban Aida explains that she'en mitzvat pakatif yisuno heged belviim as there's no mitzvah. To carry the Aaron down to Babel, and furthermore he says, If anything, by bringing the Aaron down to Babel, it's only going to desecrate its kedusha. So the Gemara continues. If the Aaron is going to be exiled down with you to Babel, it's not coming back. So therefore, don't bring it down. Serve God over here. Comes the Gemara and says, Since we learned that one of the things that we're going is, was the Shemin Amishha, which the Torah talks about in Parashat Tetzaveh, the Gemara now is going to discuss the uh, ingredients, and the measurements of the ingredients of the Shemin Amishha. So it says, Besamim Rosh. Take from the choice spices, Morderor, Hamesh Me'ot. Take 500 measures of Morderor. So the Gemara is going to say that's already 500. The Kinnemon Besem, Mahasito, Hamishimu Matayim. And take Kinnemon Besem, half measure, meaning 250. So that takes us to 750. Bosem Hamishimu Matayim. And a spice called Kneb Bosim, another 250 measures. So that brings us to a thousand. The next pasuk says, Vekida Hamesh Meot Meshekel HaKodesh. And Kida, which is another spice, another 500. So that all together brings you to a 1500 measure. Now let's read that in the Gemara. Pitum Shemen HaMeshcha, the mixture of the Shemen HaMeshcha, Ve'ata Kachlecha, Vekida Hamesh Meot, Shehen Elif Vehamesh Meot Manim. All together... When you count the 500, 250 and 250 plus 500, you come out to 1,500. Now, it should be pointed out that there's another shitan, the Babli, that learns these measurements differently. The 500 of the Kidah is clear. So you have, and you have 500 of uh, Morderor. So that's 1,000. And it's clear that you have Ukne Bosem, also Hamishimu Matayim. However, the Kinnemon Besem Mahasito Hamishim umatayim. So the way they uh, learn that is that half of it is 250 and the other half is 250. Meaning that they're holding that they actually put Kinnimon Besim in two separate parts. They put 250 
from the first part, and they put another measure of 250. The Hadush of the Mahasito is the way they should place it in the uh, in the in the Besamim, in the Yushem and Amishha, in two parts. So it comes out, you have 500, 500, 250, and 500. So according to the Babli, there were 1,750 parts to the Yushem and Amishha. According to the Shalmi, obviously, it was only 1,500. The Mahrokin is how to learn the Mahasito, when it says in the Pasuk, Mahasito by the Kidem on Besim, Hamishim Umatayim. Does it mean half of 500 or put it in in half measures, 250 at a time? Comes the Gemara and continues. <clears throat> now it's going to discuss how they got this uh, Bissamim, I mean this Shemin Amishha, to get its fragrance, mm. to get its uh, smell. So the Gemara says like this Shemin Zayit Heen. Now, the Pasuk continues. That the amount of shemen zayit, the amount of pure olive oil, was what? Ehin's worth. How much is that? Shenem asar log. Which equals 12 log. That was a shi'ur. Shebo sholkin etaikrin. Devreda bimi'ir. They would take all the herbs that we just mentioned. The morderor, and the kinnemon besem, and the kida, etc. And they would take those herbs, and they would boil it in the uh, oil. And by boiling it in the oil, it gave the oil a fragrance. That's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Uda Omer, Rabbi Uda says no. Shulkan Hayab Bimayim. You took all those herbs, and first you boiled them in water. Now after you boiled the herbs in the water, the noten shemen al Then you would pour the oil back on the herbs, and boil them in the herbs. And after it got the fragrant, you would take it out. Much like the people that uh, mix spices together and make perfume, like they do. Now, like the Pasuk says, this was the oil for the Meshicha. Now, what is the Mahlokan over here? The second Rabbi Rabbi Uda holds that you could not immediately take the herbs and put it in the oil. Why? Because you're going to lose some of the measurement. Because the oil is going to get absorbed in the, uh, in the herbs themselves. So first, you want to saturate the herbs with water. So now they can't accept any oil. So now once they're saturated with water, so you don't lose any oil, now you re-put uh, them in the oil, and you boil it, now it comes a smell into the uh, or unto the oil itself. That's the way the uh, the Qurbana Aida says. I'll just read it to you. Shulkan Hayabemayim. Shibli'uhamayim. You want the water to get swallowed in the um, in the roots. Ushiyatsif alim ashimin lo yibli'u ato aikarim. The shimin amu'atazeya and the blabi karim and it will be fine. So comes the Gemaran continues. Tani Rabbi Yehuda Be'er Rabbi Elai Rabbi Yehuda learned in the house of Rabbi Elai Shemin HaMishcha Shachasa Moshe Bamidbar The Shemin HaMishcha That Moshe Rabbeinu made in the Midbar Ma'ase Nisim Na'asa Bo Metechila Ve'atsof It was miraculous From the beginning Until the end How? What was miraculous about him? Shemetechila Lo haya bo ela Shenem Asad Log Originally it only had 12 log. Shnei Shemen Zayit, Heen. And we know a Heen is 12 log. 
אם לסוך בו את העיקרים, לא היה בו סיפק. There wasn't even enough to soak the herbs and the roots in 12 log. Which means the fact that they were even able to soak it in the oil, that already was a miracle. Because there were so much measures, according to the Ushami, there was 1,500 measures of these herbs, to soak it in 12 log, there wasn't even enough. So that itself was a miracle. Halachat kama vekama, furthermore the more so, sha'ur bolaya, of course when you put it over the fire, so the fire causes it to evaporate, va'aitzim bolaim, the roots themselves are bolaya, they absorb, va'yure bolat, and the uh, the bowl that they're uh, cooking it in, also is bolaya, right, some of it goes into the walls of the pot, And from that, those 12 log, they poured it all over the Mishkan, all its vessels, the Shulchan and all its accessories, all its kelim, the Menorah and all its accessories, and the entire seven days, every day of the seven days of the Miluim, before the Mishkan was actually officially opened on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, they anointed Aharon and his sons. And furthermore, all Kohanim, Gedolim, and kings subsequently were anointed as well. And the Shi'ur never diminished. It always remained 12 log. So that's already a, uh, a nest that it was able to remain as it was. Now, the... is actually a... Okay, we can go further. Melech betechila ta'un meshiha. Now, a king that starts a new succession of kingdom, so he needs meshiha. He needs to be anointed from the kings, uh, from the oil, for example. Shaul ha-melech was anointed. Or for that matter, David ha-melech, who started a new succession, wasn't the son of Shaul, also had to be anointed. However, Melech ben Melech and Ta'un Meshiha. But the king, the son of a king, does not need Meshiha. For example, well, Shalomo had Meshiha. But that would be an example, we would think, that would not need Meshiha because he's the son. So the Gemara says, May Ta'ama kum Meshachehu kizeh. What's the proof? Because the Pasuk says, kum Meshachehu. God told uh, the prophet Shemuel, go anoint David. Kizehu. Because he is appointed to be the king of Israel. So the Gemara says, Zeh ta'un mishiha, de'en benot ta'un mishiha. The Zeh is coming to exclude. Only he is obligated to be nimshach, but not his son. So the Gemara says, Aval kohen gadol ben kohen gadol. But a kohen gadol, the son of a kohen gadol, afilu ad asara dorot ta'un mishiha. Doesn't matter, even ten generations of Kohanim, every son needs to have a subsequent Meshiha. So the Gemara says, And furthermore, all this oil is going to be still intact, meaning with all the Meshihot, you're still going to end up with the same 12 log that we had from the beginning. How do we know? How do we know? Shemen Meshihat Kodesh Yezeli Ledorotechem. Zeh is the Gematria 12, which means it's coming to tell you that the Shem and Meshachat Kodesh, Yeh Zeh, 
it's going to be the gematria of Zeh, it's going to be 12, the Dorotechem, for all the generations. So therefore you see the miracle, not only in the making of the Shem and Amishchah, but in the fact that it was able to preserve itself without losing any of its measurement. Now, the Taklin uh, Hattin understands that Kohanim Gedolim all need Mishiha, even the sons, even for ten generations. So he explains, says, and the Kohen, Hamashiach, literally that it was anointed, Tachtav, after his father, Mibanav. Let the person just say, and the Kohen that takes his father's place. What does the person mean by Kohen Hamashiach? To come and teach you that every single Kohen needs to be Nimshach. Needs to be anointed with the oils, even though he's following his father. Okay, comes the Gemara and says. Comes the Gemara and explains. En moshchin hamelachim ela al gabe hamayan. When we come to anoint Jewish kings, we do it by the spring, by the wellspring. Shneimat, like it says by Shelowa Melech. So, what they did was with Shalomah, they took him to a river called Gihon. This is not the Gihon that's written in Parashat Bereshit, one of the four rivers that came out of Gan Eden. Gihon was a certain stream of water outside of Yerushalayim, and therefore they took him there. Uh, to anoint. Why? So the Qurban Aida explains that the reason is because of a siman. Just like the water flows, so too the king, his kingdom should flow. So comes the Gemara and says, What do you mean? Mm-hmm. I thought you just taught me that Melech ben Melech, you don't uh, anoint. Yeah. They anointed him by the, uh, by the water. So the Gemara answers, only because of the Mahlok. That's different Girsa Ot over here. If you want to read the Girsa of the Gaon Mevilna, he takes out Mepneh Mahloket. So he just reads this to Gemara as En Moshin Melech Ben Melech. Mepneh Manim Shach Shalomo. So then, why then did Shalomo get anointed? Mepneh Mahlokto Shil Adoniyahu. I have a clown. So if you remember when Shalomo, or they wanted to make Shalomo the king, his brother Adoniyahu wanted the kingdom for himself. And therefore there was a machloket that broke out between Shalomo and Adoniyahu. So in that case where there's a, somebody's contending for the kingdom, then already Yerboshayah, even if it is Melech ben Melech. Now the Gemara is going to give us examples where you had sons of kings that needed to be anointed because of other people that were contending to the throne. And the Gemara now gives the example. Now, let's just read the Qurban Aida. He says, In order that the kingdom should continue, should be uh, continuous, um, in the midst of Israel. Bizman Shalom Yisrael 
Yeah, when there's peace amongst Israel, then the kingdom is an inheritance. But if there's mahloket, the Qurban Aida says, So only when it's Bekir of Israel. But if it's not Bekir of Israel, there's no Shalom in Israel, then already you need a new Mashiach. So comes the Gemara and says, Yoash Mepene Atalyahu. Okay, the king of Yoash, even though he was the heir to the Malchut Yehuda, he needed to be anointed because he was contended against Atalyahu. Okay? Comes the Gemara and says, Yehoahaz Mepene Yehoyakim Achiv. Now these were the children of Yoshiyahu, Melech Yehuda. So Yehoahaz, even though he was the son of the king, he was the son of Yoshiyahu. He needed to be appointed, anointed. Why? Because his brother Yehoiakim, He had an older brother, two years older. He thought he was going to be the king. So there, but it wasn't so. Yoshiyahu wanted, the younger wanted to be the king. So therefore they had to, Anointed with the Shem and Arashah. Again, the same concept, there was contention. Yehu mepene Yoram. Okay, Yehu ben Nimshi. He was anointed on Israel in order to get rid of the family of Ahav. So Yehu was anointed, even though he had a, uh, he was a son of a Melech. Why? Mepene Yoram. Which means because of Yoram, who was the son of Ahav. Yoram, the son of Ahav, was the heir to the uh, throne. And therefore, they had to give the Mashiach to Yehu. Because there was a contention towards him. No, Yehu was not bin Melech. Yehu was Yehu bin Nimshi. But since somebody contended his uh, kingdom, so therefore they had to put a Mashiach on him against Yoram. So we repeat this uh, Gemara again. Regarding what the Gemara says, Yehu mepene Yoram. They anointed Yehu with the Shemin HaMishcha. Yehu was not from kings. Yehu ben Nimshi. He was appointed to kill out the family of Ahav. Now, Yoram was also the heir to the throne of Yisrael from his father Ahav. So the Gemara is saying that they anointed Yehu with the Shemin HaMishcha because of the Mahluk that he had with Yoram. So the Gemara says, That's not so. We would not use the Shemina Mishchat to anoint Malchai Yisrael. This was only to anoint really Malchai Yehuda. How do we know? Because it says, The Zeh is coming to exclude and say what? Zeh ta'un Mishchat. Then Malchai Yisrael ta'unin Mishchat. So that's the first question. What are they anointing uh, Yehu at all for? The Chaurah, he doesn't qualify being as a Melech Israel. He doesn't qualify at all for any sort of Mishihah. Now, uh, the Gaon over here has a Girsah. Uh, Take out the Elah. Okay? Now, Yehu Ahaz mepene Yehoyakim Ehav. We said that Yehu Ahaz... Can answer the question? Right? We're going to answer. We're going to ask another question. First, I'm going to answer both questions. We learned already that Yehu Ahaz was the son of Yoshiahu, king of Yehuda, got anointed with Shemin HaMashcha because of his brother Yehoyakim, Sheaya gadol mimenu shte shanim. So the Gemara says, how could that be? Velo Yoshiahu genazo. What do you mean? His father Yoshiahu was the one that was Gonez the Shemin HaMashcha already. A generation before. So how did they have it around to be Moshiach 
on Yehoahaz, his son. So we have two questions over here. One question is, how did they uh, be Nimshah Yehu at all? And how were they Mosheah Yehoahaz where the Shemina Mishra was not there? So the Gibraltar is going to answer one answer to answer both questions. Hada Amra Be'afar Simon Nimshah. You have to say both those were anointed with special Shemina Mishra, not Shemina Mishra, but Shemina Parasim, which is the balsam oil, which is a different item. Which means, yeah, you're right. Those two women says they were they put the oil on them. It was different oil. It wasn't the special oil that was designated from the times of Moshe. Comes the Gemara and continues. En Moshein Melachim Ela Min Hakeren. Now, when you anoint Malche Yehuda the Melachim, they would anoint it in a horn. They would pour the oil in a horn from like the animal, and they would pour it on the king. That would be a symbol of longevity for the kingdom. Just like a kaden is strong and solid, so that would be a sign that the kingdom should be last for a long time. Shaul v'yehu nimshahu menapach. However, Shaul and Melech and Yehu they were nimshah from a pach. That would be like um, a fla- uh, um, pouch. No, pach is a earthenware flask. Which is breakable. And therefore, what happened to the kingdom? Their malchut was very short lived. However, David and David and Shlomo, they had the Mishnah from the Keren. So their malchut indeed was uh, a long kingdom. So there's a difference between being the Mishnah from a Keren and a Pach. And Hannah, uh, in her tefillah that she made, with the Hannah, she said, Rama Karni. She alluded to this when she said, Rama Karni, that those kings that are going to be anointed from the Keren, Rama, they're going to be elevated. They're going to have an advantage. And she didn't say, Rama Pachi. She didn't say that the ones that are going to get the Pach oil are going to be uh, elevated. And Moshkin Kohanim Melachim. We do not anoint a Kohen that becomes Melech. The Hadush of here is, even though the Chaurah, the Kohanim, do have a connection to the Shem and because they're anointed anyway when they became a Kohen. So you might think if for some reason you anoint a Kohen for a Melech, so yeah, you can put the Shem and on him. No, you can only give the Shem and to people that come from Yehuda after David. The Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Yehuda Antundaliya. That's where he comes from. Al Shem, because the Pasuk says, Lo Yasur Shevet Mihuda, which means the tribe of Yehuda must be the kings. And anybody that comes from a, another Shevet, so already he's not allowed to be anointed with the oil. And there were times in history where there were Kohanim that became the kings, although it was uh, illegal, but they were the kings of Israel. And that was the times of the Hashmonaim, where they assumed both Kohanim roles and they assumed the role of the uh, and the Korban uh, Aida explains Any type of monarch that is not lasting for the generations, you don't use the Shemina Mishra. Hence, Kohanim, you don't use the Shemina Mishra. One pasuk says 
in order that his kingdom should last, you know, who bana bekele b'Israel. And the next pasuk says, "Makatim batre lo yeye la kohanim alviim." Now, this pasuk was referring to the kohanim and levim will not have land in Israel, but for the fact that it's juxtaposed to the parasha of the king, so it says, "In order that the king should have longevity in Israel, lo." As if the Pazuk is saying, but this will not be to the Kwanim and the to teach us that Kwanim and the cannot become kings. So that's another source of how you know that the Kwanim are not fit to become the kings of Israel. Even though they're on a high level, but not for Malchut Yisrael. So either we have the Pazuk of Lo Yasur Shared Nihuda, or we have this juxtaposition between the two Pesukim. Amar Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan taught, Hu Yohanan, Hu Yehoahaz. Yehoahaz was the son of Yoshiao Melech Yehuda. He had another name. His name was also Yohanan. So the Gemara says, Ve'aketiv ha'bechor Yohanan. What do you mean? The Pasuk says that the Bechor was Yohanan. And we just learned earlier that Yehoahaz had a brother, Yehoiakim, who was two years older than him. So how could you tell me ha'bechor Yohanan? So the Gemara answers, Bechor l'malchut. Yes, which means he was the first to get the kingdom. Because after after Yehoahaz finished his kingdom, his brother uh, Yehoiakim went after him. So therefore, even though he wasn't the Bechor in years, but he was the Bechor in order of succession to his father. So that's what means the Bechor Yohanan. He was the Bechor to the kingdom. Right, the... Lashon of the Qurban Aida is Shemalach Rishon. Comes the Quran says, Amar Buhanan, Hu Shalom, Hu Sidkiyahu. Sidkiyahu, Melech Yehuda, who happened to be also the son of Yoshiyahu, he was the last king of Malchut Yehuda, right before the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, and he was sent into exile by Nebuchadnezzar. So he was also referred to in the Navi by the name of Shalom. So Shalom and Sidkiyahu are basically the same person. Kibara says, Ve'aketiv, but doesn't it say in the Pasuk, Hashidishi Tzidkiyahu, the third son of Yoshiyahu was Tzidkiyahu, Ve'arbi'i Shalom. And the fourth was Shalom. What do you mean? He told me Sidkiyahu and Shalom were the same uh, were the same people. So what does it mean when it says the third one is Sidkiyahu and the fourth one is Shalom? So comes the and says... And now, this is referring to the kings, the succession of the kings. The first came Sidkiyahu and it said, and the fourth one was Shalom. I thought it was the same one. So the Gemara says, no, Gimel letoldot. Dalid Lemalchut. Exactly, which means he was the third of the descendants of Yoshiyahu. Yoshiyahu had uh, Yehoahaz, Yehoiakim, and Sidkiyahu. However, Dalid Lemalchut, but he was the fourth to the kingdom, meaning the kingdom that from Yoshiyahu went as follows. He had Yoshiyahu. After that was his son, Yehoahaz. After that was his son, Yehoiakim. Then his uh, nephew, Yechonyah, Melech Yehuda. And then after Yechonyah, the fourth one from Yoshiah was Tzidkiyahu. So therefore when it says the, the fourth, meaning he was the fourth to descend after Yoshiah, Melech 
Yehuda. So again, so there was three sons of Yoshiau and one nephew in between over there. So again, it was Yehoahaz, Yehoiakim, Yechonia, and then they ended up with Sidkiyahu. Now, the Gemara says, right, actually Yechonia was the son of Yehoiakim, which was the nephew of Sidkiyahu. Right, so you had Yehoahaz, Yehoiakim, his son, Yechonia, and then Sidkiyahu got it back. Okay. Now, the Gemara says, Sidkiyahu, why was he called Sidkiyahu? Now, literally means that the judgment was justified on him. The judgment of God was justified on him. How does this go? So the Qurban Aida explains based on what it says in the Navi. Nebuchadnezzar etadim. If you remember, Nebuchadnezzar appointed Sidkiyahu, and he said to him that if you rebel against me and cause the Jewish people to rebel against me, Whatever I do to you to punish you will be justified. So therefore they call him Sidkiyahu because Nebuchadnezzar was Mazdik Alavitadin. Sidkiyahu said, I am right and just don't do anything to you if you are going to rebel against me. That is why he interprets why he was called Sidkiyahu. Others explain because he was tortured. Sidkiyahu eventually was blinded by the king and he was Mazdik Alavitadin. He did not uh, question the judgment of Hashem. Now, the Gemara says, Shalom, why was Sidkiyahu also referred to as Shalom? It says, Shabiyamav, Shalmam Malchut Betavid. Because in his time, the Malchut Betavid was finished. He was the last king of the Davidic dynasty until the Mashiach. The Gemara says, Lo Shalom Havashemeh, his name was neither Shalom or Tzidkiyahu. Ela Matanya. His real name was Matanya. Hadau Dekhtif, like the Pasuk says, in the Nevi'im, Vayamlech Belech Babel, et Matanya Dodo Tahtav. Nebuchadnezzar put Yechonya's uncle in his stead. Right? Yechonya was the nephew of Matanya. And he changed his name to Tzidkiyahu, again saying that I am justified by God to do whatever I want to you if you will rebel against me. The Gemara continues. Now, the Aron, the Ark, that was built in the Mishkan, so by Moshe, so the Torah tells us it was it measured amataim vahetsi orko ve amavahetsi rohbo ve amavahetsi komato it was two and a half amot by one and a half by one and a half so the question is how many tefahim were in the amma of moshe that built the aron because there's different shi'urim Sometimes we have an Amma that's called Amma Benunit, which is six Tefahim. Sometimes you have an Amma which is called Amma Ketana, which is five Tefahim. And then you had another Amma which is actually six Tefahim and an Etzba, which we learned about in Masik al-Pesachim. So therefore, the question is, the Amma that they used to build the Mishkan, what was the Shi'ur? So the Gemara says, its Shi'ur was six Tefahim. And therefore it comes out, uh, Amma Taim Vahetzi uh, would be 
two amot, which would be twelve, bachetzi, which would be uh, half, which would be three, which would be fifteen tefachim, by one and a half, which would be by nine tefachim, by nine tefachim. And Gibra says this. Gibra says, Amar Yohanan, Be'ama Shil Shisha Tefahim, Haya Aaron Asui. That the Aaron of Moshe was measured with Tefahim, with Amot that were measured six Tefahim per Amma. Man Tana Be'ama Shil Shisha Tefahim. Who's that opinion that says with Shisha Tefahim? Rabbi Meiri. They were the middle shi'ur, not the small shi'ur of five, and not the big shi'ur of six and an etzba. It was in the middle. He said, when it came to the amot, that it says by the construction of the walls of Yerushalayim, and the mizbayah, so that was used by an amav six tefachim. Shilkelim hamisha. However, the vessels that were built, that would be the Aron, the Shulchan, the Mizbah Zahab, they were made out of a mot of five tefahim. Okay, but the first Shita says, no, everything was made from a mot of six tefahim. Comes to says, al Rabbi Meir, according to the opinion of Rabbi Meir, do amar that he said that the Aron was made from amot of five tefahim. Hayaron asui or koshil Aron. So what was the length of the Aron? Two amavachetzi. How much is two amavachetzi? So two times six is twelve. Vachetzi half an amav is three. So therefore, it was ten tefahim. The length of the Aron must have been fifteen tefahim. Correct. Two and a half amma is fifteen. Tefachim dichtiv amatayim vachetzi orko. Amata ashita. One amma is six. Amata ashita. And the other amma is six. Upalgut amta. And half of the amma is what? Lata. Good. Now the Gemara said that brings you to fifteen. Ve'arba'a luchot hayubo. Now in the Aron they put four luchot, four tablets. Shnayim shelemim. Two complete ones, we had the Hasid the Birot on them, and two of them that were broken. Right? When Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchot. All four were in the Aron. Now we have to figure out how did four Luchot fit in an Aron of such measurements. So the Gemara says, Dikhtiv, how do we know that all of them were in the Aron? Dikhtiv, Asher Shibarta, Visamtam, Ba'aron. Well, it says, the ones that you broke, place them in the Aron. So we know everything was in the Aron. So now the Gemara gives the Shi'ud. The Aron, the Luchot, they were six Tefahim long. Now we're going to read the Girsavi of the Gaon Mivilner. So they were six long, three wide. Okay? Now, I'm reading the Gaon Mivilna. If you want to follow me, it's at Zion. Hagaot Agra Zion. Ten Rochban Sheluchot Leorkoshil Aron. Take the width of the Luchot and place it across the length of the Aron. So how many could you fit? You have 15 across. The width is 3. So technically if you put them all across, you have 12. So you still have 3 tefahim space in the length of the uh, Aron. So the Gemara says, 
Nishtayir sham shaloshat tefachim. You're left with three tefachim. Again, if it's 15 across, and you're putting it widthwise, the luchot, so therefore you can fit three, 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 that's 12. So you have three tefachim left. And we go to the Amud Bet. Ten mehem chatsi tefach lechol koten. However, you have to factor in the thickness of the walls of the Aron. The thickness, each thickness of the wall is half a tefach. So half a tefach on this side and half a tefach on that side. So you're left with two tefachim of airspace left. The shtayer shne tefachim. Now what did they put in that shne tefachim? Le sefer Torah. Now it says there was a sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote that they also placed in the Aron. So it fit perfect. It's a perfect fit. You have 12 tefachim of Aron, of Luchot, four Luchot. And then the other tefachim, the two tefachim left over, you were able to put the sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. Okay, now the Gemara says, that's the other way. The width of the Aron, tish'at tefachim. How do you know it was tish'at tefachim? Dikhtib, amma v'achetzi ruchbo. That the width was one and a half amma. Amta ashita. Again, an amma is six. Ufalgut amta tlata. And half an amma is three. Okay, Again, the four luchot were in the Aron. The two complete ones and the two broken ones. The ones that were broken were placed in the Aron. Again, we're following the amendment of the Gaon of Vilna that says they were six tefachim long by three tefachim wide. Ten I've got to read the Gaon again. I'm going to the Gaon of Vilna Bet. Ten orkan shel luchot leruchban shel aron. Take the length of the luchot. The length of the luchot is six. And place it to the rochav of the aron, which is nine. Now, what is that? Which is you're laying them flat. You have to picture it in your mind. You're laying the luchot across. Okay, so going lengthwise, you had um, uh, 12. 3, 3, 3, and 3, and then you have 2 divine over here. That's going the length. Now we discuss going the uh, widthwise. So the widthwise, you're putting it the uh, length of the, the length of the luchot, which is 6, placing it to the width of the Aron, which is nine. Now you have a picture, if you want to see it in your art scroll. It's exactly what they did. Okay, it's on what? 16B1 over there on the... I guess we got to look on the bottom. It's note, uh, note 10 over here. No, I would look at the note 1. Correct. This is what we're doing. It's 15 across. You see they put the full hot. Okay, you have the two tifahim on the side for the... Torah scroll, and then you have going across, meaning the luchot is nine, so you put going across, the, the width is nine of the uh, of the Aron, and you put the luchot uh, there, so you can end up with some space on the side. How much? Well, if the width is nine, and you're putting it the long way, which is, right, you'll end up with, um, well, we'll discuss the walls now, we'll discuss the walls now. So the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says it clearly. Follow the Gemara. Ten, again, the Gemara Vilna. Ten, Orkan Shiluchot. Put the length of the Luchot, Leruchban Shil Aron, to the width of the Aron. And the Gemara says, 
Nishtayir Sham Shoshat Tifahim. And you're going to end up with three Tifahim left over. How are you going to end up with three Tifahim left over? Make the Hajbon. Exactly. Because uh, you have four uh, Luchot. Each one of the Luchot is how much? Six right, it's the same height. So therefore, it's six across. You have nine uh, there, so you have three tefachim left over. Exactly. You've got to factor out half a tefach for the thickness of the walls. So that brings you to two tefachim. Two tefachim, neshilut makom, sefer Torah, munah. Which means, they had a two tefachim space where they put the sefer Torah, and now you also add a little area on the sides in order to grab the sefer Torah. How can you get the sefer Torah out? So if it was a perfect fit, it would, it would be lodged in there, you wouldn't be able to get it out. So therefore, on the width, they gave you a little extra room over there, so you could stick your hands in and grab out the sefer Torah. It seems you didn't have to grab the... Luhot. The Luhot, it seems, stayed in, but the Sefer you read. So therefore, again, going across, it went six. Six across. And what? You had nine, really, with. So therefore, the three extra Tifai, which you need two Tifai, because you have to factor in the thickness of the walls. So that gave you enough uh, room. Now, the picture in the Oscar also shows you that over there, where you had the little area there, the space on the sides, in order to lift the Sefer Torah itself. Mara continues. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish Amar. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish said, Be'ama bat hamishat tefahim haya ha'aron asui. Rabbi Shimon holds that the Aaron, with his measurements, two and a half ama long by one and a half wide by one and a half, it was measured in an ama of five tefahim. Who's the opinion that holds that the Amma is measured with five Tafahim? Rabbi Yehuda. Because we learned over there, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Amma Tabinyam Shisha. Which means the Amma that they used to uh, for the uh, construction of the Beit HaMikdash, for the building, that was an Amma of six Tafahim. However, the Amma that they used for the Kelim, that would be for the um, vessels, that would be the Aron, the Shukhan, the Mizbeach, and Zahav. So that was a Amma of five Tafahim. So we see the opinion is consistent with the Biuda. So the Gemara explains. And the Aron obviously is a keli, so therefore it's based on the shi'ud of a five tefahim per amma. Al da'ted rabbi Yehuda do amad be'amma shil hamishat tefahim haya orko asui. So according to that opinion, the length of the Aron shenem asar tefah umechsa. It comes out that the length of the mishkan was twelve and a half tefahim. How? Tekhtiv amatayim vachetzi orko amta hamsha. One amma is five. The amta hamsha, second amma is five. That's ten. Ufalgut amta, and half of an amma is how much? Tere upalig. So two and a half. So that makes the length of the mishka of the aron twelve and a half tefachim. Vedalad luchot ayubo, and the four luchot were placed in the aron. Shenayim shelemim ushnayim shiburim. Two complete ones and the two broken ones. Dichtiv asher shibarta v'samtam ba'aron. That were broken, they were placed in the Aron. So we know there were four tablets in the Aron. We're following the reading of the Gaon de Vilna. That the measurement of the Aron was 
sorry, the measurement of the luchot were six tefachim in length and three tefachim in width. So the Gemara says ten, and we're going to follow again the reading of the Gaon of Vilna. The Gaon says uh, ten. Actually, I have to read a ten orkan shel luchot lerochban shel aron. Actually, we're going to place the luchot that were uh, three wide. We're going to place the width of the luchot to the length of the aron. So we read it ten. Rohban shel luchot leorkan shel aron. Now, if the rochav uh, was three, so you would fit four luchot across, so that would get you to twelve, so you would have a half a tefah left over in space. So the Gemara says, Venishtayer sham chatsi tefah. You're left over in the length of the aron, a half a tefah. Etzba lakotel mikan. The etzba lakotel mikan. Now you have to subtract an etzba thickness of the walls of the aron on both sides, which is two etzbaot, which equals a half a tefah. So that means what you have left over is a quarter of a tefah. shel aron. Now the width of the aron shiva tefachim umehsa was seven and a half tefachim. How? How do we figure this out? Amta Hamsha and Amma is five tefachim. Ufalgut Amta and a half Amma Tre Upalig would be two and a half. So five and two and a half makes the width of the Aron seven and a half tefachim. Vedalit Luchot Ayubo again, and there were four Luchot in the Aron. Shenayim Shlemim Ushnayim Shiburim the two complete. Tablets and the two broken ones. Dichtiv asher shibarta v'samta am ba'aron haluchot ayu kol echad ve'echad orkan chishat tefachim ve'ruchban shiloshat tefachim according to the Gaon Mevilna. So it was six tefachim long, three tefachim wide. That's the measurement of the luchot. Ten ruchban. Take the actually take the orech. Take ten orkan. Take the orech of the luchot. And place it leruchban shel aron to the width of the aron. So you line them uh, across. So you'd have how much? Vinishtayer sham tefach umechsa, because you have four. Uh, the the width of the uh, of the luchot is uh, three. The length, I should say, is six. So you're putting the six across. The width of the Aron, so you have seven and a half tefahim width minus the six of the uh, luchot, so you have a tefah and a half left over. So it says tefah umechsa. You have left over. Yishtayir sham tefah umechsa, right? Because you're placing it again, the length of the luchot to the width of the Aron. So the length is six. So you put them across, so you end up with one and a half tefachim in width left over. Etzba lekotel mikan ve'etzba lekotel mikan. 
So you have a etzpa again for the thickness of the walls. So that leaves you with a tefah. Hatsi tefah mikan, v'hatsi tefah mikan. Which is split it, half a tefah on one side and half a tefah on the other side in airspace. For what purpose? L'shilut. In order to grip the actual uh, luchot themselves. Which is according to this opinion of Ishtakish, the Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote was not in the Aron. According to the first opinion we learned, the Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu authored was actually in the Aron itself. And therefore there was room for the Sefer Torah, and then there was also room in order to lift it and take it out. However, according to this opinion, there really was no room for the Sefer Torah, because the Luchot themselves took the whole span. If anything, you just had a half a tefah on the width of the uh, Aron, and that was just in case they had to take out the Luchot for whatever purpose, they would have an ability to grip onto it and grab it. Now, the Gemara goes into another discussion. Kesad Asab Betzalel Et Ha'aron. How did Betzalel construct the Aron? So the Gemara says, Do you have that? You have that? Rav Hanina? Rav Hanina, you have it. Rav Hanina Amar, Shalosh Tevot Asa'o. So he made it into three boxes, the Aron, the Ark. Shetayim Shel Zahav, two of them were gold, Vachat Shel Etz, and one of them was wood. Now we know that the Torah says it has to be plated. You had to plate the wood box with gold. So how did they plate it? So he says, You placed a gold box in the wood box. So now the inside of the wood box was plated gold. And you put the wood box into a gold box. So now the outside of the wood box was also plated gold. And they... Plated it, dichtiv, v'tzipita oto, zahavta od, mibayit, umihutz. Right, now it was plated from the inside and the outside. So the Gebra says, matalmud domar titzapenu. So why does the Pasuk have to say again, and you should plate it? It was plated already. So lehavi sefato ha'alyona. In order to bring the upper lip, because if you look from on top of the boxes, the lip of the wood is not plated. The sides, the inside and outside are plated. You have to go now and plate the top lip of the wood in order that it's completely gold. argues and says, Indeed, it was only one box, the Aron. And he plated the entire wooden box gold. So, what is the purpose of Titzapenu? Already it says that they played it at Mibayitumahutz. To bring between the planks. It seems that the Aron was made not of four solid pieces of wood, but it seems there were planks that were connected to each other to make the uh, boards, the sides. And therefore, besides having to plate each plank individually, you also had to uh, uh, put gold in between the planks, where there was airspace, in order to make it all like one piece. Hence, the second Titzapen, who says that you would plate ben nesed le nesed, between each board, in order to make it one. Now the Gemara goes into another discussion. Kesa da you haluchot ketubim. How were the luchot written? 
She's a luchot that Moshe Rabbeinu gave at Hat Sinai. How were they written? So the Gemara says different opinions here. Lav Hanina ben Gamliel Omer. Hamisha aluach zeh, v'hamisha aluach zeh. The five of the commandments were written on one side, and the other five were written on the other side. She's had two luchot, five on one tablet, and five on the other tablet. And this is based on what it says in the Pesuk, that the Diberot were written on two Luchot Abanim, Hamisha Hamisha five on one Luchot, five on the other one. The rabbis come along and say, no, that actually there were uh, ten on each one of the Luchot. How is that understand? So the Gaon explains it was ten, uh, meaning that I'm going to read the Gersav the Gaon first because he quotes a pasuk Shine uh, Emar, okay? Because the pasuk says Vayichtevim al Shine Luchot Abanim. Also Vayichtevim, he's learning that they wrote the whole Diberot. Uh, on each one of the uh, luchot, so you had ten on each one. So the yichtevim, he says kadarish yud aluachzeh yud aluachzeh. Okay, so that's the pasuk that he says the yichtevim al shene luchot habanim. There's a duplicate. Right, there's a duplicate. So I can see it on both sides. The yichtevim, he's learning. They wrote all of them al shene luchot habanim. Ten and ten. Okay, that's according to that opinion. Third opinion, the Bishimon ben Yochai Omer, Esrim al-Luazeh, Esrim al-Luazeh. There are actually 20 commandments written on one Luah and 20 on the other. Now, what is this based on? So again, we read the Gersav, the Gaon, Shne Emar, Ketuvim Mishne Evrehim. Which means the Pasuk says they were written on both sides. Which means there was ten in the front, but they were hollowed through so you could read it on both sides, which is actually a miracle that you were able to read the commandments on both sides. So each luah had twenty, ten in the front and ten on the back, as well as the other one. Okay, so that's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. Rabbi Simai Amar, Rabbi Simai says, Arba'im Arba'im he says it was actually 40 on each luach. Tehtiv, mizeh umizeh hem ketubim. They were not only written through and throughout on both sides, but mizeh umizeh. They were also written on all sides. And therefore, you have the two sides included. So the Gemara gives an example. He says, tetroga. Tetroga is uh, four, like a tetragon, which was written on all four sides. So therefore, 10 times 4 is 40, so 40 on each um, luah. So altogether it was written 80 times on both of the luhot. So basically, those are the opinions. Either the conventional understanding where you had 5 on one luah and 5 on the other. The opinion of Rabbanan, which is the majority opinion, you actually had 10 on one luah and 10 on the other. Then you have the opinion of Rishlakish, that it was actually 20 and 20, meaning front and back. And then you have Rav Simai, that says it was actually 40 on each luach, front, back, and on the both sides. It should be pointed out that from the measurements that we received of the luchot, 
which according to the Gemara was six by three, it seems clear that the Luchot were square. It was a squared measurement and not a rounded measurement, unlike the Luchot that we see many times placed on the Aron, Kodesh, for decoration in the synagogues that have the Luchot uh, rounded. Uh, It's been said that uh, the late rabbi from Lubavitch used to speak uh, vehemently against this practice of putting the Luchot in a round fashion, uh, and therefore he was makpid to make sure that it was a square like it's mashma in the Gemara. Gemara continues, Hananya ben Achi Rabbi Yoshua Omer. Hananya ben Achi, the nephew of Rabbi Yoshua, says, Ben called Dibur v'Dibur, in between each one of the commandments, on the Luchot themselves, Diktukeha ve'otiyoteha shel Torah. They actually had all the Diktukim, all the details and all the... Uh, call it commentary and interpretation of the Torah, which means as we know the Ten Commandments have are considered really ten principles we'll call them, they're ten klalim and from these ten commandments come all the Tariyak mitzvot, so he's understanding that under each commandment all the subdivisions of the mitzvot that come out of each commandment were written underneath each of the commandments themselves so there was much more than the Aserit de Berot and the Luchot themselves. So that's the first opinion. Actually, if you look at the uh, Lashon of the Taklin Hatin, he says, Ben Kol Dibur, Shabaaseret de Berot Nechlal Kol Torah. So the Taklin Hatin's Girsa was actually that in the Ten Commandments was included all the Torah. Ubenehem Ayu Kodik Tukevo Toyoteha. And the Gemara brings a proof to this from Pesukim, Memulaim Bat Tarshish. says the Luchot were filled in like Tarshish. Tarshish is a river. Kiyama Rabba, like the great river. If you look like the great river of Tarshish is filled with water, so too the Luchot themselves were filled with words. Which means they were packed with all letters. Comes the Gemara and continues and says, Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Kadava Mateha Din Karya, when the Shakish used to get to that pasuk, Hava Amar, he said, He says, I learned good from Hananya ben Achida bi Yoshua. Just like the ocean. Ben Gal Gadol, Le Gal Gadol, Galim Ketanim. That in the ocean, between the big waves, you have smaller waves. So tu ben kach, ben kol dibur v'dibur, tektukea v'otiyotea shel Torah. So too, between the commandments themselves, which would be analogous to the big waves, in between them you had smaller waves, which means you had all the interpretation and all the details of the law that was written in between. So that what says, Mimulaim, it was filled, Batarshish, like the river, that the river has big waves and big waves, and in between you have the smaller waves. Comes the and says, Amar of Tanhumah. It kashiat Rabbi Pinchas. He says, I asked a question in front of Rabbi Pinchas. Atya Rabbi Yehuda, velo Atya Rabbi Meir. The following statement goes like Rabbi Yehuda and not like Rabbi Meir. Let's remind ourselves. It was uh, Rabbi Yehuda that said that in the Aron, besides having the Luchot, you also had the Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. 
Whereas the Bimi'ir said, no, you only had the uh, Luchot and not the Aron. So the Gemara says, my Ta'amad Rabbi Yehuda, what's the logic of Rabbi Yehuda? Tikhtiv, la kowah et sefer Torah azeh, vesamtem oto misad Aron perit Hashem. It's actually the reverse. It's actually the reverse. I repeat again. Rabbi Yehuda was the opinion that said that the Aron only had in it the Luchot. And it did not have in it the Sefer Torah. That was the second opinion of the Gemara. However, the Bimi'ir's opinion was that you had both the Luchot and the Sefer Torah. So the Gemara now is going to prove how do we know the Biyudah is right? That the Aron only had the Luchot and not the Sefer Torah. So it quotes a Pasuk. And the Pasuk seems very clear. La Kowah et Sefer Torah zeh. Take the Sefer Torah, the Semtem Otom Mitzad Aron Benit Hashem. Place it Mitzad, on the side of the Aron. So you see clearly what? That the Sefer was not in the Aron. So Al Da'ted Rabbi Yehuda, Du Amar Hecharaya Sefer Torah Natun. So according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, where was the Sefer Torah placed? Kemin Gluskiya Asui Lo Mibahutz. Like a little compartment was made outside of the Aron, and they placed the Sefer Torah in that compartment. Where did Rabbi Meir get his opinion that says that the Sefer Torah was actually in the Aron? It says, after you made the Aron, you would put the Luchot in there, obviously, then you would cover it. The covering of the Aron on top was called the Kaporet. And then you will place in it the Aidut. He's understanding what does the Aidut mean? The Sefer Torah. So you see, besides the Luchot that were placed in there, you also had the Aidut. So Kibras al Da'ted Rabbi Meir Duamar en Mugdamu Meochar Batorah. Which is according to the opinion of. Now, let's just check the. Gaon Mevilna. Right, this has changed. Al Dated Rabbi Yehuda, he changes it to. According to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, do Amar in Mugdam Meuchar Batorah. We have to employ a principle that says, in Mugdam Meuchar Batorah, that there are, the Torah not necessarily is written in chronological order. Therefore, how will he interpret this pasuk that we just quoted? Well, seemingly the pasuk is out of order. Because it says, you'll cover the Aron, and then you'll put the Idut in. If it's covered, how do you put the Idut in? Well, Rabbi Yehuda clearly learns that the word Idut is not the Sefer Torah. Because he said from the other pasuk, the Sefer Torah was placed in a compartment on the side. So according to him, the word Idut actually means the Luhot. So now the pasuk is really out of order. You're going to cover the Aron and then put the Idut in? Ella Yosei Kotra Biyuda, he employs the principle of En Mugdama Muhar Torah. So it's as if after the Pasuk says, Ella, Vela Aron, Titen et Aidut, Asher Iten Elecha, Vearkach, Venatata et Kaporet, Ala Aidut, Menmala. He's according to the Biyuda, you have no problem. You can explain that Pasuk uh, like such. Now, according to the Bimeir, we'll say that he doesn't hold up En Mugdama Muhar Torah. Ella holds that what? You put the Luchot and then you covered it. Oh, so what, you, what about the uh, Sefer Torah? When did you put it in? Well, it's going in order, because the Sefer Torah wasn't complete until after 40 years the Jewish people were in the Midbar. That's when he finished it. So after the Kaporet was covered of Aron, they had to uncover it eventually later on and put the Sefer Torah in. So therefore the Torah, according to him, is in chronological order. The se- it was covered, and only after it was covered years later was the Sefer Torah eventually placed in the Aron. So that's basically the 
great mahloka we have over here between the Bidana Bimi'ir, not only in the Shi'ur of the uh, Aron, was it a five tefah amah or a six tefah amah, but we also learn a great mahloka here, what was indeed in the Aron itself. According to the Bi'uda, it was specifically the four Luchot, the two keepers and the two broken ones. And then you have the Shitav Rabbi Meir, that you had not only the Fuluchot, but you also had the Sefer Torah as well. Comes the Gemara and says, Rabbi Pirhaz, Peshem Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, HaTorah Shnatanu HaKadosh Baruch Hu LeMoshe, Natnalo Esh Lebana Haruta Be'esh Shechorah. So the Gemara says that the Torah that was given to Moshe was written all in fire. The words were considered written in black fire over the uh, stone which was considered in uh, or in or over the parchment which we'll call it which was written in or which was compared to white fire just like the parchment is white and the ink is black so imagine all that is fire so it's black fire written on white fire Esh muvlelet be'esh you have fire mixed with fire Chatsuva me'esh it was uh, hewn from fire, and given from fire, from God's right, he gave the fiery law to them. Uh, the uh, different Mephashtim explained what the uh, explanation of this is that the Torah is compared to fire. One interpretation might be that fire has the ability to change things. Things that are soft, fire makes hard. Things that are hard, fire makes soft. And then fire has the ability to make a change in a substance. So too the Torah has the ability to change a person that's learning it. Which means if a person's heart, his heart is hardened, when he starts to learn Torah, the Torah softens his heart in order for him to accept the words of the Torah and to get Yirat Shamaim. But Torah that is studied, that does not cause change in a person's lifestyle that it's just studied as a subject but it's not studied with the properties of fire, so then already it's not considered he's studying the Torah in the right way Torah must be studied with the Ish, another interpretation that was offered was that the Torah tells us that we have an obligation to attach ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. how can we attach ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? the Pasuk says he's Ish Ochela God is a uh, like a, 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 a consuming fire. We're mortal human beings. How can we attach ourselves to fire? So the only thing that can attach itself to fire without getting consumed is another fire. And therefore, when we study Torah, so the Esh Torah now connects us to the Esh of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, it's like the conduit, it's the connector that we have to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's the symbolism in Esh. Which is one of the one of the ways or the most. Um, a uh, positive way to connect ourselves to Kadosh Baruch Hu is through the study of Torah, which the Ish and the Ish uh, meet. The Taklim Hatin has a nice derash here at the end on the words Mimino Ish Dat Lamo. He says Hen Otiyo Talmud. The words Dat Lamo that he gave us the Dat, he gave us the uh, the law. Dat Lamo is actually the Talmud, and therefore, which means that not only was the uh, Torah Shebikhtav given by God through Moshe Rabbeinu, but the Talmud itself, that Lamo, was also handed down as well. Baruch Adonai Amen and Amen.